Okay, continuing on with our Kerygma series. This is, this is a pretty big one. Um, created, captured, rescued, and response. We're living in this place of response, which, which makes sense. Created, it's in the past tense. Captured, it's in the past tense. Rescued, it's in the past tense. Response, it's in the present tense. Right? Our response is something that is ongoing, that, that continues uh, to, to, to build on the story. It continues to, uh, to um, contribute to the proclamation, to the kerygma, what God has done in the person of Jesus. It continues to flow into your life and into mine. What we're talking about is discipleship. And this is, this is the whole point of this series that I've been doing. Whether you've been paying attention or not paying attention, whether you're a visitor and this is the first time you're hearing it, or whether you've been coming week after week and listening or whatever, uh, this is the whole point of the Christian life, which is discipleship. So how, how can we say that it's the whole point of the Christian life? Well, because we know, and we're going to hear this in our gospel passage next Sunday when we come to Mass, but we know that at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, of course, has been crucified. He's risen from the dead, and now he's about to ascend to the Father. So before he ascends to the Father, he gives his disciples, his apostles, one task. He gives them one job. He tells them at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? So he's saying, it's all given to me. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's handing them his authority and giving them the one task of what? Of making disciples. This is the church's one task. And since it's the church's one task, it's therefore my one task. I've been sent to Oakley, Goodridge, and Grigla for one purpose, to make disciples. So this is my dream, is to have three parishes filled with disciples of Jesus Christ. Because it's the one thing that the Lord wants for me. Now, now as, I was, as I was praying about this and thinking about this, right, I've, I've had this series kind of outlined for a while. And I was thinking about how to talk about discipleship. Um, and I realized that Jesus talks about discipleship in a completely different way than I would talk about it. My, my perspective on discipleship is like, I'm going to try to convince you or persuade you that this would be a great idea, that this is something you got to do and, and you want to do it. And, and, and if you don't do it, you know, like this is my perspective is like, don't you want to do this? Like to almost in so many ways to plead and beg you to become disciples. When in fact, if you look at the gospels, Jesus speaks about it completely different. He speaks about it like it's a privilege rather than like it's a, a right that we have or, 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 or something else. And this, this makes sense. We'll look at some passages in a minute, but this makes sense, right? Like, if this is all true, that Jesus is God, who has come down to take on our human nature, if that's true, then, then he shouldn't have to beg us to do anything, right? Like, if he's God, we should be so eager to follow after him because he's telling us that he can lead us to the Father, that he will lead us to the Father, and that no one else can. Like, what a gift that it is that God comes to us in this way. And how, so how is it that he speaks about discipleship? Well, well in, in the Gospel of Luke, right, he talks about how he establishes the terms for discipleship. In Luke chapter 14, he says, Truly I say to you, whoever does this cannot be my disciple. Or, or in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Whoever doesn't do this is not worthy of me. Right? He talks about it in this kind of a way, as though he's the one who gets to set the terms on how we are to follow him, how we are to receive eternal life, rather than we setting the terms. And he's aware, he's aware that not all are going to accept his terms. 
He's aware that not all are going to be in on following him as a disciple, as, as the light who leads us out of darkness and into the eternal kingdom of heaven. This, I think, is, is so fascinating. We heard this, in fact, in our, in our second reading last week, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter is acknowledging Jesus Christ is the, the cornerstone, or the, the stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone, that Jesus is the one on top of whom everything is built. And some people rejected him, but some people believed in him. And he says, for you who have faith, he is so incredibly valuable, of course. But for those who do not have faith, he's a stumbling stone. And he says, they stumble because they do not obey the word. And Jesus himself says this in our gospel passage, right? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the one who loves me, the one who observes what I command you. Right? He gets to set the, and he knows that not all are going to accept him. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, He who believes will have eternal life, but he who does not obey will not see life. But instead, he says, the wrath of God will be upon him. You see this, like there's a clear connection between believing in Jesus and obeying Jesus. Right? Whoever believes will have life, but whoever disobeys, in other words, whoever disbelieves through their disobedience will not see life, but instead, what? The wrath of God will be upon him. In Mark chapter 6, at the end of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes, he tells his apostles, go and preach to all nations. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever, whoever does not believe will be condemned. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Do you hear this? Jesus is saying, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian will actually go to heaven, but only those who both call themselves a Christian and live according to his commandments. This is incredibly important, and he's aware of it, and he's not, he's not super happy that people aren't going to be following his commandments, but, but at the same time, what's he doing? He's calling our attention to the incredible gift that he is. God made man coming to us, leading us out of the kingdom of death and sin into the kingdom of heaven. But in order for us to be led by him, we have to do what? We have to be obedient to him. We have to actually follow him. So as we talk about discipleship, you know, we're going to just kind of invite, invite you to, to think about this question throughout, to not answer it right away. But this question, right? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you want to be one? Do you understand what a privilege this is that he comes to you and me and he invites us to follow him? Now, before you answer the question of whether you're a disciple, here's, here's a little bit of data. So people who study this kind of thing, they say that among Catholic Christians, only 5% are disciples. Only 5% of Catholic Christians are actually disciples of Jesus Christ. We can ask, how is that one job going that Jesus gave to his church? Incredibly poorly. But the point of this is, is, is not like, as I ask these questions, the point of all this is not, is not to like beat you down, but instead it's, it's hopefully, maybe if you're not a disciple, maybe, and if you are, you know, that's fine, whatever. But, but if you're not a disciple, the, the point here is to maybe open your eyes to see that you're not, but then also to show you that you can be one by your free choice, right? Our response to what God has done in the person of Jesus, it's up to us to choose it, to respond appropriately. Now we gotta ask the question, what's a disciple? 
And I've talked a little bit about this before, if you remember way back when we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount before Lent started. But what's a disciple? So there's a few different ways we can talk about discipleship. First, a disciple is somebody who learns from another person who he calls his Lord, his master. And he learns from that person for the purpose of adopting his way of life. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I learn from him. I let him instruct me and give me his commandments. And then as he gives me those commandments, I do what? I surrender to them. I follow them obediently. Not because, not because I'm a slave, but because I see the incredible gift of who he is who has called me. Because again, I've chosen him. I've run after him. I've, I've cl I'm clinging to him. And so I want to follow him. And so maybe another question we could ask, right, is, is Jesus your Lord? Do you consider him your master? Or do you still kind of hold on to the terms of your following him? Another definition we could use is a, a, a disciple is somebody who is striving to bring every area of his or her life under the lordship of Jesus. Every area, the things that you say, the things that you do, the things that you think, your living situation, who you choose to live with, how you choose to live in your marriage and your relationships. Do you follow the church's laws according to those things or not? Right? Your, your, your finances, your, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the places that you go, the hobbies that you have, the way that you treat people, the way that you spend your days, every area of your life under the lordship of Jesus. This word striving, I, I like this word because it implies two things. First, it implies that it's, it's imperfect, right? We're acknowledging that we're all sinners, that, that we're all imperfect people. That, that in so many ways, we're struggling to do it, to, to do it perfectly. But at the same time, this word striving, it also says what? It also says that I'm putting forth real effort to bring all of these areas of my life under the lordship of Jesus. Real effort. That it's not a passive thing that I can allow myself to be complacent or, or lackadaisical, but instead, no, I'm, I'm really going for it. And yes, it, put, it, takes, it takes effort, absolutely. But, but again, imagine the, the, the reward that awaits you at the end of your days, when you as a disciple of Jesus Christ can stand before him knowing that you are a disciple because you've adopted his way of life, you followed his commandments. Another definition, we could say a person who stands out of the crowd or who steps out of the crowd. So many times in the gospels, uh, Jesus is teaching and preaching to the crowds and it's his disciples that come forward to ask him for a clearer explanation. It's his disciples who are willing to say, look, I know that everyone else is doing this, but I'm not going to because this isn't what the Lord wants me to do. Or I know that everyone else is not doing this, but I know that I'm going to because I know this is what the Lord and his church want me to do. Right? Someone who steps out of the crowd to make that bold decision to approach Jesus more closely. You could say a disciple is somebody who thinks differently, someone who thinks like Jesus. It's so clear in the Gospels that Jesus comes and he reveals a completely different way of looking at life, a completely different way of thinking. A disciple is someone who tries to adopt that way of thinking always with eternity in mind. Right? You can try to think of, of, of the two examples that I keep using, right? This rope that I, that I have. I didn't bring it today, right? But, but a person who's a disciple of Jesus thinks beyond the little portion of our lives that we live here on earth and thinks more of the inheritance that is waiting for him or her in the life that is to come. Or the person who's following Jesus out of the cave. And it's like, yes, it can be hard to follow Jesus. It can be hard to surrender to him. But I can't wait until he leads me out of the cave. Until he leads me into his marvelous light. I'm thinking differently. 
So that even if he gives me commands, even if he tells me things that are uncomfortable, that that I don't agree with, I'm willing to surrender to them because he's the only way to the Father. So again, we can ask more questions. Do you make all of your decisions with eternity in mind? Have you stepped out of the crowd? Do you think differently? Are you striving to bring every area of your life under the lordship of Jesus? Because if you're not, you're not a disciple. What are some characteristics of disciples of Jesus Christ? So first and foremost, this seems clear, right? First and foremost, every disciple of Jesus will be obedient to Jesus and his church. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus is preaching and teaching, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Say this, like, why do you call me your Savior, but you're not obedient to me? That's what he's saying. In other words, he's like, you're making a joke of this whole thing. In, in, Luke, in uh, Luke chapter 10, he's sending out his, his disciples and apostles to preach and teach, and he says, whoever hears you, hears me. Same thing in, in Matthew 28, this verse that we'll look at again next weekend, uh, when he says, right, to baptize them and to what? Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So when they listen to the church, the apostles preaching and teaching, they're listening to Jesus. It's the church's job to hand on what Jesus has preached, what he has taught. So to be obedient. But then beyond that, there's some more characteristics. So these are just kind of basic things. There are more characteristics we could look at, but some basic things. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about the early community of Christian disciples. And it says that they were devoted to four things. Devotion is, is a loyalty, a love, an enthusiasm towards something. So these people were not, they were not just like, okay, let's do this, but they were into these things, right? They loved doing these things. They were loyal to them, to these four things, to the teaching of the apostles, to the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The teaching of the apostles, what does that mean? It means being devoted to the word of God and to the doctrines of the church, or to have a regular habit of reading the Bible and studying it, to have a regular habit of growing in your understanding of what the church teaches and why she teaches it, to have a devotion to that, to have a devotion to fellowship, time spent with other disciples of Jesus, not just other people. Like, yes, you can spend time with other people, but to have intentional time where you spend with other disciples, people who you know are really going for it, so that together you can encourage and support each other. You can build each other up and also hold each other accountable. Or to have a devotion to that. To have a devotion to the breaking of bread. This is how the early church spoke about mass. The breaking of bread. Where does Jesus break bread? At the Last Supper. What does he give us at the Last Supper? The Holy Eucharist. To have a devotion to that, which of course includes Mass on Sundays. Obviously, it includes Mass on Sundays. But Mass, even beyond that, if you're able to get there more often, to have a devotion to that, to love being with Jesus in the Eucharist. But then also a devotion to the rest of the sacraments, right? You've been, you've been hearing me talk for weeks and weeks about the sacrament of reconciliation, about confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, and amending your life. To have a devotion to the sacraments. To have a devotion to, the, to prayer, right? This daily time where I spend with the Lord Jesus, one-on-one, him and me. Maybe I bring my Bible in there and I can read a passage and I pray and I, I meditate on that. Maybe I pray my rosary. Maybe, maybe I do something else. I listen to like some praise and worship music or some chant or something like that, whatever it is. But spending time daily being devoted to your prayers with the Lord. Right? These, these, are, these are some ba- basic characteristics. 
And the invitation here, again, as, as I said, I know sometimes my tone can come across as like, as like I'm trying to come down on you, and I apologize that that's, that's my tone sometimes. But the point here is, is not to come down on you, but instead to invite you to become a disciple. And again, maybe some of you already are, and I'm, I'm not here to tell you whether you are or not right now, but the Lord is. And the thing that we got to be aware of is that the Lord sets the terms for our discipleship and not us. Now to finish, one last thing. And that one last thing is an apology, right? The church was given one task to make disciples. And if it's true that only 5% of Catholic Christians are disciples, how's that one task gone? Very poorly. How have the last 60 years gone? And it's not like 60 years ago, everything was was grand and, and amazing, but how have the last 60 years gone in our Catholic Christian church? Terribly. Why? While we've seen church leader after church leader after church leader fail with scandal, with sin, I know I'm a sinful man myself. We've seen this over and over and over again. It's incredibly discouraging. One thing I was thinking about is that so many church leaders, including, like, including maybe some popes, have really failed to be clear about the need that we have to be disciples. And they haven't taught clearly about what it means to be a disciple and about about what characteristics we should have as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. I'm aware of that, and I'm sorry about that. It's it's a tragedy that that we live in a church where very few people have been instructed even to intentionally follow the Lord Jesus with these basic things in their lives. But the only way to solve this problem, the best way to solve this problem, is for you and me to intentionally choose to become disciples. For you and me to intentionally choose to surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus. And that doesn't mean that it's going to make all of our problems go away, but, but you know what? It could fix some things for you. It could give you a kind of peace, a kind of joy that you don't know before. It could actually bring about the conversion of some of the people around you. We don't know, but what we do know is that the Lord invites you individually to follow after him. And it's up to you to give a response. So I'll finish with the same question that I've been asking for the last like four or five weeks. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus and his church yet?